the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Guess who's back? Back, back, back again. Shady's back. Tell a friend. Guess who's back? 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 Slap and tickle. Drive time. Chicago. 312-642-5600. If you care to participate in the show. Now, I might have to admit, and I've done this before, I don't really listen to a lot of talk radio. That's a shame. I love Dan Proft and Amy Jacobson in the morning. Love it. So, I, you know, I catch that in between whatever my normal process is. But I was on my way in, and I was flipping around. I don't just, you know, i got to see what the competition's doing. Not that there's any competition. Anyway, flipping around, and I keep hearing the uh, impeachment inquiry, which, by the way, I think the Democrats have a little premature impeachment inquiry. I don't think they thought this out. But anyway, I'm listening to the conversation as if it uh, is a is a trial, as if this is a legal trial. And I get, and by the way, I do get that normally this kind of thing is held by the judi- judiciary of Congress versus the intelligence and Adam Schiff, and I agree with that. And they would have to see the the evidence and all of that is true. But I can't help but remember, maybe it's because I went had a really good high school history teacher. Does anybody know why Andrew Johnson was impeached? Most people don't even, you know, they, they just know a fact that Andrew Johnson, there's only been two successful impeachments. One was never removed, Bill Clinton. Andrew Johnson was impeached and removed. Nixon saw the writing on the wall, the most unlikable man. <laughs> I mean, how this guy even won is a shocker. Anyway, he, uh, he was a crook, no matter how much he said he wasn't. And he had the tapes to prove it. So when the tapes came out, he just said, I'm out of here. He resigned. But Andrew Johnson was impeached in 1868. And the reason he was in there, kid, because you're young, you don't know. What the hell do you know? 1868, because he decided to dismiss Edwin Stanton. He was considered a radical Republican and appoint Ulysses S. Grant in place as the Secretary of War. Think about that. He was impeached. And thrown out of the White House because he replaced somebody that the Congress didn't like. That was it. President Johnson had a uh, reconstruction program after the Civil War. South in rejoining the Union. President Johnson wanted to protect the South. He wanted to do it in peaceful, benign ways. The radical Republicans rejected that. They wanted to punish the South. So they wanted a warmongering Fraud, they had him back then. His name was Edwin Stanton, and he was a tyrant. In fact, that's what he was known for. He said, no, 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 we're going to put Ulysses S. Grant there because he smokes 50 cigars a day and was drunk, and we like him. He's easy to get along with, right? Cigar smokers, drinkers, they're, they're easy to get along with normally, unless they're Irish and from the south side of Chicago. This act uh, was originally designed to protect the powers of the people who really wanted to seize the south's wealth. See, this is what goes untalked about here in the Civil War. But Johnson would not have it. So he put Ulysses S. Grant. And for that, the radical Republican Congress, which was all that was left, 
because a lot of them were actually imprisoned during the Civil War. Most people don't know that. Politicians were put in prison, had their assets seized. It was not a good time in the American history. So for appointing somebody, they impeached this son of a gun, this poor guy, and they carried him out of office. Because you know what? It's not a court. High crimes and misdemeanors, you know what that means? Whatever you want it to mean. See, that's the beauty of government. That's how they write laws. That's how they adopt policies. It's whatever they want it to mean. That's why some guys get away with things. Other guys don't. And that just, you know, I'm not going to do cattle drive radio. The Republicans are good. The Democrats are bad. I don't want to do that. To me, they're both scoundrels. Scoundrels. I think it's outrageous what we have going on. And yes, I think it was outrageous when I first learned over a year and a half ago when Peter Schweitzer released his book, The Skullduggery that was going on in the Obama administration, which, by the way, included more than Joe Biden's son and some phony baloney scheme. There's a lot in there. A lot of front running, a lot of of, of misuse of government to implode private stocks, have Obama's friends seize it up. In fact, the book is an indictment, not just of Democrats, because Mitch McConnell's wife is in it. We now find out. Do we have? Did we ever get the clip that I asked for about the uh, the Giuliani? Now, I think first of all, before I play the clip, I think it is. Abs- Do we have it or no? I think it is absolutely outrageous how. Uh, Hunter Biden, dummy that he, dummy, thrown out of the military, scoundrel. The whole thing with this brother's wife is, uh, it's inconceivable to me. I don't even have a brother, but I still can't imagine that would happen. I think it's outrageous that Pelosi's son, we now find out, also has a little bit of an oil uh, uh, investment. The best way to predict the future is to create it yourself. When President Obama became president of the United States, he elevated science to a higher place in our national priorities. It is science, 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 and science. Breaking our crippling addiction to oil, they are developing desirable, efficient cars that get more than 100 miles per gallon. My son, Paul, who is here with me, tells me that that is par for the course and not to be uh, overwhelmed by that prospect that would be considered the normal. We're having a very exciting day here in Washington, D.C. This is Paul Pelosi. on innovation and technology to help solve a lot of the world's energy crisis. Both oil spills, which we'll be participating in, cars and efficiency, which is represented today, and space and different adventures and using technology from space to make human conditions better here. My name is Paul Pelosi. Of course, I'm on the board of Fiscal Oil. What was that? He's on the what? Today to talk about accelerating the future. Yeah, he's on the board of his own oil company. Same thing. This happens repeatedly. And it was also awful suspicious to me how George Bush Sr. goes from Kenny Bunkport to an oil man in Texas out of nowhere, right when his old man's a senator. This is the scam. It's been going on for a century. And I understand. It's outrageous. It's also outrageous um, when our side does it. And our side does partake in it. So I am going to, I want to see what the evidence is against Giuliani. And apparently there's some, some news that uh, they were setting up another oil company called 45. We'll get the information for you later. I love the name, 45. <laughs> is that great? I just want it to be fair. I want it to be right. See, to me, to turn to a blind eye 
to what we as Tea Party members have lived through the phony Paul Ryans. This has been going on for 10 years. And in the meantime, the things that really affect us people, it's, it, it, it's insurmountable. The debt that we barely talk about, the spending that we all recognize, and the call for more of it, and the manipulation of our currencies, and the manipulation of our economy. I want it to change. I don't want anyone to be falsely impeached. Do I think you could have made a case during the Obama years for impeachment? I don't know how you could say you didn't, especially those of us who paid attention to the usurpations of powers Barack didn't have. And we all sit complacently now as Trump does certain things over the economy that we feel are justified. And that that was the phone calls we received yesterday when I talked about the the foreign policy. I was actually on Trump's side about the foreign policy, about his economic plan to... um, put sanctions on the American consumer by calling them tariffs against our consumption and paying off his specific targeted areas and friends in the economy. That's called corporatism, and I'm not for that either. The problem I'm seeing is there's a disconnect of what is right, and now we are pretending what's right is whatever party we affiliate ourselves with, and we're willing to turn a blind eye to the wrong that may lie there. And a tribalism that we've been talking about on this station for at least a year and a half, two years. The, the tribalism is, is insurmountable. And it is so much so that I was watching somebody who I, I know it's probably not popular in conservative circles. I liked Ellen DeGeneres. I did. I thought she was a good person. Always did. Even before the whole nonsense. How could you not like Ellen? Who doesn't like Ellen? Well, it turns out, you know who doesn't like Ellen? is the Democrats. They didn't like Ellen. You know Why? She sat next to George Bush at a football game for all things. This is where we're at in our society. But as Republicans, rather than use this as a, as a drum to say, isn't this terrible about the Democrats? Think about yourselves as you hear any little evidence that may slant against the Trump administration. And you say, they're all against Trump. Because the reality is nobody... Barack Obama or George W. Bush, for that matter, have appointed more lobbyists and surrounded themselves with more scoundrels. Sorry, it's just the way it is. And the tweets that are released, I know half of them are made to tweak the media, which I get a kick out of. I really do. I come in the studio and a couple people are upset. You know, did you see my ultimate wisdom? And was he being honest or was he being facetious or is he just being a New York jerk? Which is really what he is. Sorry. I know it's a call for... It's so so candid. Well, is it candid? I think he does some great things, and I like him for the most part. Especially when he does things like he did with Syria. I spent an hour on this show telling you how great it was. We spent days and days and days, what, two days now, of having Republicans who were all on his team go crazy. I long for the days of judgment by the citizens. See, to me, there has been a coup. The coup isn't against Donald Trump. The coup's against me and you. The coup is about a government that is supposed to be our servant. Let me ask you something. Who's the servant in the story here? You pigeons or the government? As they laugh at you. And I'm going to tell you, they must laugh at us. As we chase our tails around and wait for the information to come out so that they can control our opinion. And all we got to do is have a certain radio host on one side and radio host on the other come out and, and, and solidify your tribalism so you dig the trenches deeper. 
That's not changing things. I want to go back to the restraints on government. You know this law about impeachment? Everyone says it should be a trial. No, you're wrong. It shouldn't be a trial. It should be that they throw you out if you're violating the Constitution. You don't have to break the law to violate the Constitution. When you usurp powers, when you use the pen, as we discussed how outraged we were when Barack Obama sent the very troops that Trump is going to pull out and do everybody a favor. They're both doing it the wrong way. We have a Congress, or don't we? Otherwise, it doesn't mean anything if you don't have a Congress. Other than the fact your mommy, if your mommy's the Congresswoman, you could become real rich like Paul Pelosi. Or if your daddy gets all the way to the vice president, next thing you know, you're an investment banker when you can't spell it. If I give you the I and the B, Hunter, dummy. It's ridiculous. But we're not fixing anything when we say, no matter what he does, he can't be touched. Because I'll tell you something that's bothersome to me. And it was released today from the White House. They openly said in a letter to Congress, if I could find it, that they are not going to abide by turning over information and cooperating with the inquiry. I don't have to like Trump or dislike Trump to say, well, that's what Congress is there for. You know, it's almost a joke now. What is a subpoena from Congress if all you have to do is choose to ignore it? What happens to you and I if we choose to ignore subpoenas? Nah, I don't want to go. What happens when they, when they ask you for evidence of your income, of your purchase? Nah, I don't want to give it. Proving further and further that laws are only for citizens, not for politicians. Rules and regulations, those are only for the outside people, not the inside people. 312-642-5600. We'll be back. As Rudy Giuliani was pushing Ukraine officials last spring to investigate one of Donald Trump's main political rivals, a group of individuals with ties to the president and his personal lawyer were also active in the former Soviet Union in pursuing oil investments. Hmm, that seems lucrative. How do we pursue oil investments? How do you out there in your car, I'm wondering, how do you pursue oil investments? What do you got to do? Well, apparently, you got to be elected to the White House. Then everybody's pursuing oil investments. Not me and you, though. Not so much. Andrew, thanks for calling the show. How are you? Yeah, you know, you said something earlier. You, you used the words, we have a Congress. I said, and do we? Do we? I, asked, the, I think I asked. But go ahead. Yeah, no, you said we have a Congress in, in context to the fact, you know, that the, that the president should follow the Constitution. Well, I think... We don't have a Congress anymore. That's the biggest problem. I think you're we right. Have two political parties that are just crossing their arms and not doing their jobs at all. And that's why we're in this situation. And isn't it funny, Andrew? You know, this biggest thing to me is the economy. I think there should be a separation of the economy and state in the way the people who hate religion think there should be a separation of religion in the state. I think it should be the economy. And moreover, I think the rules that, w- that were in place on, on government were put as a restraint on government. I think that's why they made Congress responsible for trade negotiations, so that three old yeah. men waiting for the Viagra subscription couldn't screw things up. <laughs> but apparently I was wrong. And you know why they don't want it back, Andrew? Because they don't want to be held accountable by us. They don't want any power. Exactly. They just They're want to sit on their duff. Anymore. Yeah. They want to sit on their duff in their portly suits. Thank you, Andrew, for calling the show. 
I mean, this is outrageous to me that we have to go through this debate. Number one, it's enlightening to me how many Americans do not understand economics, even 101. I had a guy tell me how strong the dollar is. Go to a, uh, go to a Chrysler dealership, a Ram Dodge dealership. Try to buy a pickup truck for under 60 grand. Oh, the dollar's strong. Really, is it strong? Because it takes 400% more of those dollars you say are strong to pay my insurance premium, dummy. And as far as my property taxes, how do those look? My dollar's strong. Try to tell your banker the dollar's strong and go pick up one of those new UAW-made junk Chevys. Dollar's not strong. Inflation's all around you. Whether you choose to look at it or not is up to you. You want the blinders on and listen to talk radio where they tell you everything is good, the economy's good. And by the way, we need four slow interest rates and a little bit more money. Come on. Wake up. Wake up. Stop having people tell you how they are. Look around. Don, thanks for calling the show. Hey, Sean. You know, uh, Congress can impeach him and send it to the Senate, and they're not going to do anything. And let's just say they vote, and then they don't get the impeachment. He gets acquitted. Do they really want that? So but- it's just going to be like Bill Clinton all over again. And the only way we're going to fix this country is term limit these clowns out of office. They're dug in like six. First of all, Don, you know, and I, and I know, and everybody listening to this show, the only laws they ever write are ones that benefit them and hurt us. They're not going to write a law to hamstring themselves. You ever hear of a pock right. picket that cuts his hands off? Why would they give term limits? <laughs> are you kidding me? They don't do that. And, uh, you know, here's the other thing. If you believe that Trump is innocent and you're a hardcore Republican and you're a hardcore Trump, you should be yelling from the top of your house, impeach him right now. Impeach him right now. And let the people decide. Then we'll see the evidence. Then we get to decide. But I don't think you should cheer when they write a letter. Uh, By the way, it's the official uh, uh, press secretary writes a letter for immediate release that they're not going to comply. Well, then why do we have it? Then why do we have it? Then let's just declare everybody a king who's the president and let them do what they want. Dave, thank you so much for calling the show. Yeah, so... I, again, going. this goes all the way back to the last administration where Eric Holder, Lois Lerner, take the Fifth Amendment. There is no repercussions. It's not like, okay, you can. we'll pack your office up, we'll send you everything. And now we've carried it through into the new administration, and they just keep widening the laws. I completely agree with term limits, but the idea that I am held to a different standard than they are is completely absurd, and it's... You know, I'm in my mid-50s. I've never seen anything like it. Dave, doesn't it, isn't it just, it, it's almost shocking how out, out in the open they are where the rules are only for us. It's absolutely infuriating to me because I'm, I'm in my early 50s and I live my whole life proud of our, our country because it was supposed to be a representative republic. I used to love the whole, my grandfather used to walk around, you work for me. You remember those old timers? Look at us, Dave. Oh, yeah. Look at us. We have to live in fear of our government. And I'm telling you something right now. That's how you know you're, you're, you're a slave to it. That's how you know you're a serf. Dave, thanks for calling the show. I appreciate it very much. Let's go to uh, Tony. Thanks for calling the show. How are you? Good. How are you? Wonderful, wonderful. All right. You're always right. Listen, I've never heard you ever be wrong, but there's a little problem with how you're explaining this. That could be. Now, this impeachment is not an impeachment. Congress has not voted to authorize any committee to subpoena anybody for impeachment. Yeah. Therefore, these subpoenas are not subpoenas. They're letters. It's, they're, what they're doing is a farce. 
they don't have any subpoena power. So the White House is in every right to say we're not complying because they don't have to. Constitutionally, well, they can't be forced to 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 to. I'm listening. To give up anything. Well, this, this is, is an official, no but this if, isn't if an official. It's an inquiry, and they're using the word inquiry very specifically. It's an official right, impeachment but an inquiry. inquiry. But an inquiry doesn't doesn't give anybody in Congress the power to subpoena the executive branch. They have to vote constitutionally. They have to take a vote well, to say, yes, we, we authorize so this committee to do this. We're subpoenaing. We're giving a subpoena for the records. I mean, there, there's right, there's seven the of them, and you know who believes who believes masses. you're wrong is the White House, who just gave a press relief saying we're not going to abide by your subpoena. So they're using the same words. No, no, words. no, they didn't. That, they did. They did not say those words. The media is using those words. What? Read what the read what the White House released. Constitutional you know, the only right. people using mm-hmm. the word subpoena is Schiff. Pelosi and the media. And if, and Those you, are the only people. And you might be right, brother. I'm going to read through the, 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 the pages, and I'm going to get back to Read you. it. It's, All right. We're going to read it, because I like it. If you're right, Tony, I love it. You, you know, if, if I had more than three T-shirts, I'd send you one. See? I like that. All right. We're going to get back after this. We have a guest. If you're on the line, I'm going to take you. If you want to be on the line, it's 312-642-5600. We will be back after this. So I got the show's over to the other side of the cantina. I asked the guy why he's so fly. He said, Funky Cold Medina. All right, listen, there's a professor on the line with the Funky Cold Medina, for God's sake. Let's get serious. Do you realize, first of all, let's tell Tony, wrong, Tony. There was, in fact, uh, an absolute subpoena. It was delivered on Monday. It was wide-ranging, asking for numerous documents. Mentions Mick Mulvaney, acting White House Chief of Staff. Calls for documents and communications that are highly delicate, and uh, they have till October 18th. White House says they won't do it, so I got an expert, because we can't rely on the callers, as you see from Tony letting us way down. I had to go to Professor Gutzman. By the way, I've been impressed with him since his best-selling book, The Politically Incorrect Guide to the Constitution. This is a man whose uh, resume is quite honestly beyond impressive, and it would waste the entire six minutes if I read everything he did. But let's just say... Most of you people wouldn't be able to talk to him unless you accidentally spilled coffee on him in a Starbucks that he was forced to go into. This is Professor Gutzman. I want to thank you so much for taking the time out and enlightening the people of Chicago to exactly our situation. Happy to be here. So Very happy to be here. Thank you. Thank you. So let me ask you this. How, what is the likely outcome in your professional opinion? Likely outcome of the... Do you think we're going to go down the road of impeachment? Obviously, I know about the Senate. But will the, the process play out in the form that it did under the Clinton years? Will the House, I mean, is this going to lead in your estimation? I know you don't have all the knowledge. But in your opinion, do they have the evidence to proceed with an impeachment? Well, the thing about that question is it's entirely up to the House to decide what is an impeachable offense. That is... There's not a strict legal definition of the term high crimes and misdemeanors. And so from time to time, the Congress can decide that a particular infraction is or isn't a high crime or a high misdemeanor. I mean, as we learned... What that means then is that it's essentially up to the House majority to decide for itself at this moment whether it wants to define something that President Trump has done as an impeachable offense. And there's no appeal from... The House's decision in that regard, except to the voters. And the fact that we have the precedent of Andrew Johnson being impeached for 
replacing a general or a cabinet position. He literally, I mean, am I right? I know you wrote a, um, you, did you did you write a book on this or an essay? Oh, I've, I've written several things that touch on this. Um, yes, it's true that um, the House did decide to impeach the president, uh, Andrew Johnson, for what doesn't seem to really to have been a high crime and misdemeanor, that is for exercising his Article II power uh, and removing the Secretary of War. But again, the House at any moment can decide that what you wouldn't have thought would be an impeachable offense actually is one. So there's a good illustration of this uh, from the 1970s, the then House Minority Leader Gerald Ford, a congressman from Michigan, of course, who later was president, brought an impeachment motion against Supreme Court Justice William O. Douglas. And when he was asked by a media person, well, what is it that you think in the history of impeachments shows that what Douglas has done falls under the category of high crimes and misdemeanors. And Ford's answer was an impeachment is whatever a House majority, an impeachable offense is whatever a House majority says it is. So in other words, if the Democratic majority in the House right now thinks that something that President Trump has done is impeachable, it can impeach him. What doing so will be consistent with the history of that term, high crimes and misdemeanors. And as I said, there's no appeal. He's impeached. So the reality is, if the Republican Party were principled and smart, they could actually use this as a political rally cry as to why the House needs to be flipped to where there's more Republicans. So a Machiavellian political mind may really welcome an impeachment that the general public views as uh, unjust, don't you think? One has the, one has the feeling that President Trump is thinking along exactly those lines. That in case he were impeached, this would rally his troops in November of 2020, and he'd be reelected easily. This seems to be on the minds of of quite a number of prominent Republicans. And the other reality is, as this impeachment goes on, and we see exactly how deep the the corruption via proxy of sons and relatives and lobbyists being interwoven with our foreign politics, which this could lead to, and it could affect both parties. This could actually be a very beneficial investigation for we the people if it does expose that that tentacle of corruption that looks like it runs very deep, don't you think? Well, I've called for 25 years now for more frequent use of the impeachment power. I think both in the judicial branch and in the executive branch, officials get away with what to me look like impeachable offenses. So uh, I certainly would be open to the idea that people in the executive or, or in the judiciary should be impeached. And I also think that there's quite a lot of this kind of corruption. I mean, think, for example, immediately after the Gulf War, Neil Bush, who was a younger son of then-President Bush, immediately got a, an oil lease from the emir of Bahrain. Well, what did Neil Bush know about oil? The answer is nothing. But the emir of Bahrain was glad that the U.S. Army kicked Saddam Hussein out of Kuwait and so paid off Neil, that is to say President George H.W. Bush, by giving him this valuable oil lease. This kind of thing has been going on forever, and it seems that it never comes to public attention. The media never make anything of it. I wish... 
this kind of thing were discussed more frequently. I have been arguing with some of the people in the studio. I view this as a blessing, as an opportunity to shine the light on the fact that this will ensnare not only the Democrats that the Republicans find easy to loathe and hate, and I understand, but it will ensnare the corrupt Republicans who hide in the shadows. So to me, I welcome this investigation. I think this could possibly be the best thing for the people who believe in the true Americanism as it was told to us and as our Constitution was supposed to ensure. The problem I have is it seems to be a systemic flaw that there is really the oversight lays in the hands of the corrupt. So how do we, the people, seize back oversight? When we have, you know, these these people lay in this office for 20 and 30 and 40 years, their kids become rich, their uncles become rich, their lobbyists become rich. How can we get a citizen oversight committee? This is a benefit to us. Am I right? Well, voters could make more noise about this kind of behavior. You know, they could vote out the people whose relatives are are having their palms greased. They just tend not to do it. Now, Professor, before I let you go, do you? I'm sorry, they're telling me to wrap up. Before I let you go, because I love I love your books. I'm a big fan of Thomas Woods, who you've written a book with. Do you have new stuff coming out? What do you What do you have cooking? Oh well, my next book is a follow up to my biography of James Madison. It's called The Virginia Dynasty. It's a study of the presidencies of Jefferson, Madison, and Monroe at the beginning of the 19th century. But we've had two times in American history when we had three consecutive two-term presidents. One was Clinton, W., and Obama. The other one was Jefferson, Madison, and Monroe. There's never been a book about it, even though the three of them saw it as one continuous administration. And essentially, they implemented their entire program. I think it's a really interesting story. Professor, will be out next year. Professor, you are a blessing to us. I really do appreciate this. I'm a big fan. I hope that, that you'll join us again in the future when we have a longer segment. Thank you so much for joining us. You're welcome. This might have been good for the professor, you know, but Funky Cold Medina kid, come on, what are you, nuts? It's a serious, legit guy right there driving probably a Jaguar, probably wears an ascot. It's a serious man. You know what I mean? He's got the patches on the elbows. Can't be playing Funky Cold Medina. But it's enlightening. It's enlightening. And I am telling you right now, beware the Svengali that tells you to, to be so tribal not to investigate. This is what we're supposed to be. We're Americans, damn it. We don't trust people. You nuts. Trust politicians. We're Illinois Republicans, for God's sakes. How good has that worked out for us? Look at us. It's just that you, you can leave Illinois, and it's as hard as that is. You can't leave America. I'm going to go to Honduras. I'll never blend in. Mary Ellen, thanks for calling the show. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Wonderful. This was just a little sidebar when you talked about the inflation and oh. the value of the dollar. That's why I clicked on you. I saw and what you were saying. Suddenly. Pardon me? Go ahead. Go right ahead. I know what you're going to say. Go ahead. No, I, I've been saying for years that there's inflation out there. People don't talk about it. I remember when they were yelling and screaming about gas prices. Nobody says anything about food prices. Just look, when you go to the store, you will pay a little bit more, but the size of the package is getting smaller. Well, Mary Ellen, from everything see- everything from sugar to butter, there's been an increase that has increased uh, well over the, the 3% that they say is going on. So they're cooking the books. It's like the unemployment numbers. They're still giving those phony U3 unemployment numbers. They're still giving the phony. And you know who realizes it? The Mary Ellens of the world. The women who are really shopping and are paying attention. 
the men that call up the show and tell me how strong the dollar is in compared to what? Because in every case, if you inflationally adjust today's dollar just 10 years ago, you would be shocked. This is actually easy for people to do. You can even use the evil Google, who will probably give you the right information. Scott, thank you so much for calling the show. How are you? Oh, hey, Sean. I like this. See Thanks that? for taking my call. Anytime. Uh, Sean, we don't have a lot of of case history regarding impeachments, and so we can only go based on what we have, and most of it is recent. And in the re- and in the recent case history, there's always a vote prior to any uh, subpoenas being issued. And that's the problem right there. Well, a lot of this it needs to be litigated because there there isn't law regarding it. But the House, that's the reason I wanted to go back and talk about that Andrew Johnson case, which which in the, the standards of how it happened is unbelievable. He literally replaced a, a, a department head and they impeached him because the impeachment law was written with certain ambiguity to where it is not a law. It's a political weapon. So, you know, to pretend that they cannot impeach Trump is really the argument of a deceiver. It's someone trying to deceive. I think you also need to consider that the impeachment law wasn't used for a very long time period of time. Well, sure, we were more civilized or or they were afraid of political ramifications. And that's why I say, imagine Bill Clinton. You remember when he was impeached and then as years rewrote its history and all of a sudden he was impeached for nothing. Just talk to your average dummy out there. He didn't do anything wrong. But at the time, if he were found innocent, the Democrats would have owned the White House. They would have owned uh, uh, Congress and they would have owned the Senate for 30 years. Instead, it revealed that he was, in fact, a scoundrel and a scumbag. And he destroyed that young, not just that young girl, he destroyed the, the, the virtue that that office held. And you see the ramifications of that today. So my point is, if it's a wrongful move, it'll pay dividends to the party who was wronged. If it's a righteous move, then it will benefit the, the accuser. So I like this move. And if you're secure in Trump and you truly believe there's nothing, no quid pro quo, which I can argue both sides of quid pro quo. What the hell isn't quid pro quo? The whole government's quid pro quo. That's what it came in. It came out to sell it. I just want the light of day on it. And I want it to stop, Scott, because whether it's it's Biden or whether it's Giuliani's crew. If you're setting up oil scumbag contracts to benefit yourself and profit from a foreign policy of America, then you should be in prison. I don't know how anybody could argue with that, Scott. Yeah, I can't argue with that. See? Thanks for calling, Scott. You know, I appreciate it. Thank you, buddy. This is the point. You either stand for something or you bow for everything. I can't help but notice how many times the Trump Krishnas are telling me to bow. I'm not bowing. If it's right, it's right. Is he right on Syria? You're damn right. I don't care who says he's wrong. He's right. Is he wrong with Peter Navarro and the nonsense of usurping power he doesn't have to sanction the American consumer from value? Yes, he's wrong. Is he wrong when he wants to spend $2 trillion, $2 trillion on the pipelines of infrastructure that we here in Chicago pretend the corruption is normal? For us, it's just another day. 
when the reality is if we would have stood up to it when we knew it was wrong, we wouldn't be in this position. That's the point. You're not going to fix things if you keep pretending that the corruption and the skullduggery is normal business. You're not going to fix it. And after all, isn't that the point of why we fight? Isn't that the point of why we pay attention? It isn't to hide and pick a team of an unjust war. It's to eliminate the war itself. And it doesn't have to be in Syria. It can be right in Washington, D.C. It can be the corruption and, 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 and the misuse of government power we witness and we want to end. 312-642-5600. I'm Sean Thompson. Yeah, this looks like a top of me. Kid, I'm thinking. Got my you know Facebook open. I'm thinking about all this thing. I'm thinking about all the radio stations. I'm looking at the news, and maybe I'm passe. Maybe I'm out of touch. I don't want to be a group. You want to be a group? Stand around with a bunch of pasty people with hats on, chanting for things I don't really like. I'm not big on groups. Maybe that's wrong. Maybe everybody wants to be in a group, and everybody wants to feel protected and safe. Maybe. Maybe that's true. And maybe people long to be followers. They want to be led. Everybody put a bell on so the sheep don't get lost. Maybe that's how this is supposed to be done. And maybe uh, I won't be here. But that might be the case. I don't know. But to me, what this is supposed to stand for is a conversation steeped in principles of Americanism. That's what I thought politics was. I could spot them a mile away. Maybe it's because I grew up in Illinois. Right, all the phony fraud Republicans, right? With the wives with the thousand yard scare stare just waiting to raise money. Let's have a fundraiser. Yeah, but I want you to stop the taxation, stop the abuse of power. I want you to fix the corruption in government. Yeah, don't worry, we got you, baby. How's that look today? Can you tell the difference except except they have white crisp shirts and a Brooks Brothers suit, and the other one has an off the rack suit. That's the difference to me. You look at Chicago, I can't even tell. I can't tell the difference. Granted, there are no Republicans there. But the ones who look like Republicans, they're all lawyers. They're named Eddie Burke. They got their hair slicked back and their pinky rings on, openly pretending they're gangsters from the 60s. It's beautiful, baby. And that's what tribal politics gets you. And in the whole time, what good is it? We're the suckers, the pigeons that pay the bill, to flip it out. All right, let's get to the phone calls, and we'll clean it up. Holly. Thanks for calling the show. How are you? Sean, you are killing it. They need to hire you already. I don't make those decisions. I I know. Hey, listen, I I grew up, my dad was a mechanic. I grew up in Albuquerque, and we had some friends who made it rich, new money. They got into the country club, and they invited us on Visitor's Day, Mm -hmm. and their advice was, don't do a cannonball because then we get kicked out. And that's what Trump is. Trump's the visitor to the country club on Visitor's Day doing a cannonball. Uh, he walked into politics. Is he? And is he? Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Is he? Or is he the guy who owns the country club, who wants to pretend he understands what it's like to be the landscaper? See, I don't know. There's no, a little no. side of the analogy there because Trump never worked yeah. a day in his life, kid. You do know that. No, no, never, Trump, no, 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 no. That's wait a minute. Not the point. Trump the point never is, paid. He is exposing. He's not. Exposed. He is exposing no. all these. Phony people, all these politicians. See, I'm really angry at the founding fathers because 
That's who I blame this whole mess. All right. They well, assumed that people would come serve well, they assumed, and go back to their community Holly, and be accountable to their own. They assumed no. that the people would have character. Thanks for calling. They assumed that the people would have character was the assumption. This phony thing. Here's what here's what drives me nuts. I was a Donald Trump fan and observer long before any of you people. I always aspired to do well. Always. Always paid attention. I grew up, I was born in 1967. All through, I remember the 70s. I remember the 80s. I remember when Ronald Reagan won. I remember when Nixon did the I'm not a crook thing. And I remember a young Donald Trump and the film crew that was around him. I remember paying attention as he built his reputation. And I also remember the skullduggery that went on. Trump never bought American steel in his buildings, ever. Never bought American windows in his buildings, ever. Never really paid for the buildings. They're all leveraged. Raised money, caught up in the, in, in the Milliken bond scam, frauded everybody for the, the uh, uh, casino license after saying he wouldn't go to that, that soft money immediately after getting the license, went to soft money. Then hired numerous subcontractors and stiffed them all. And I got to hear people tell me that's business. He's a good businessman. No, he's actually a wretched human being who bankrupted innocent people who trusted him, used contracts and lawyers to screw everybody. Now he's got to be Sir Lancelot. Why? Because I didn't like Obama's corruption. What the hell do you stand for? You're just looking for anybody to tell you they got your back. Nobody's got your back. And the minute you give them the keys, they, they, they ruin the car. Haven't you learned in 2010? How many guys were Tea Party members? How many congressmen? Well, I'm going to fix it. We're going to get rid of Obamacare. We're gonna... What'd they do? Nothing. Trump's supposed to fix all that. Is he fixing it or is he frauding it? Are you looking at the same things, the debt the spending, the skullduggery. Rudy Giuliani and his cohorts were setting up the same scam you're mad about Biden's people for. Are you looking at the evidence? I don't get it. He's not your guy. He's not cannonballing. He's conning the landscaper so he could stiff him on his paycheck. God sakes. All right, Brian, thanks for calling the show. How are you? Don't give me any apple carts or cannonballs, will you, Brian? I can't take much more. How you doing, buddy? Right, I'm just calling uh, regarding Tony's comment about the subpoena. And, you know, I think, you know, they're saying the word subpoena, but you can call it what you want. But I think what the White House administration is saying is, you know, it's not legally sufficient. You know, Wilkinson versus the United States says the committee's investigation of the su- subject matter must be authorized by the chamber. So I think what he's saying is enough with this show trial, whether it's the show trial with M- Mueller um, or the show trial with with this. Let's do it. Let's have the vote. Yeah, and I you know, that and, allows and, the White House to cro- that and, allows the, the White House to cross-examine. That allows the Republicans to bring up their witnesses. And, and I, let's let's do this. And thing, I love know? that point. I love that point. And I want them to do that. If this is going to benefit the actual fiscal people, conservative-minded, and those people who are hoping and praying for a representative government, then bring it on. It might be great. Because I don't want the Democrats' control of House. I really don't, Brian. 
I I want right. I want listen you think I, I I rally against what Trump was and because I'm aware of it I want him to pick up the mantle of of true capitalism and true uh, uh, freedom and Americanism I think he wants to do well and if we the party demand he does it I think he'll listen but I also think he's very aware that he could shoot somebody in the middle of Times Square and not lose a vote like he said. I think he's aware that if he says the sky is purple, there's about six or seven, maybe 12 million people who will say it's purple without even looking up. There's another 10 million who will say it looks kind of purple. And he's hoping that that's enough. And the problem I got, Brian, do you think that Rudy Giuliani's setting up an oil company with the son, son-in-law? I never liked that Brian Kushner, that little freak that he is. Do you think that it's right that Peter Navarro, a four-time, ran for office as a Democrat four times, wrote books that clearly he has a bigotry towards Asians? Just look at his last four books. This guy is not a real economist, has wrote books that have created barriers between that wonderful woman, Mary Ellen, who has to look at the price of sugar when she goes to the store. It's not hurting. Listen, people go, I, I had a guy text, tweet me. I know you like cheap stuff from China. Listen, brother, I've been in a Walmart twice in my life. Each time it's because my daughter lost her charger on her car. But I look around and I see how many people that store benefits. I see what that, what trade has done to how it's benefited everybody. And I look at this, this and I say, why are you telling me America is not great or wasn't rich and great because it had choice? That the real problem with America is we had too much choice. You had too many options. We had a guy called the show yesterday. Maybe we should create a law where everybody gets a 3.5% increase a year. What are you, nuts? You're starting to sound like the Democrats. And that's the broader point. The binary choice right. isn't between Republicans and conservatives. It's between two Democrats. And it has been for 30 years. That's what old man Bush was. A scumbag, lying, fraud Democrat using government to enrich himself the whole time collaborating with the Saudis. He got us in, in the whole Middle East problem. And look at us today. Are we better or worse? So to me, this is our fault. This is our fault. But don't you, but don't you think some of the investigations should be how come – now look at those, the, the people that come into Congress as millionaires, but the people that come in Congress that literally had nothing but public sector work, $85,000, and they're coming out millionaires. Mitch McConnell's you know, worth you look $45 at Pelosi, million. Mitch McConnell, $45 million. Right, Pelosi, right. $130 Pelosi, million. Right, and Pelosi's never released her tax returns as – Never. And she was, she's been a public servant her whole entire life, right? Oh, shit. So on, you got these people, you got these, you got these, you got, you, you know, you got private organizations. They come in there and they're already rich and they get richer. But there's plenty of people, Bernie Sanders, you can name them, yeah. where they come in there, they're making their small little salary, and somehow, somehow they come out multimillionaires. Oh, they come because And maybe this is... It's because of corruption. And maybe this right? is what this impeachment... Yeah, and maybe this is what this impeachment inquiry is going to bring. Which is but why I want point, it. Bring, I want the bring it on. Bring it on. See, we agree. Exactly. Bring I it on. I want constant investigations. I don't know why there aren't constant investigations. I was trying to ask the professor, wouldn't it be wonderful if we had a non-government affiliated agency uh, uh, to oversee exactly what's going on? Or how about a rule in place that if you are a son, a son-in-law, a lobbyist, if you've given money to a politician, you cannot do business with the government? Gee, that seems like it would make sense to fight corruption. But instead, we have a system that feeds on the corruption. The greatest place in America to be in business is K Street in Washington, D.C. It is recession-proof, baby.
And that's got to change if we're going to stand a chance. Because apparently all it takes is for somebody to like who's in office to accept a totalitarian government. Because whether you're a Republican or a Democrat, you think that they should have this kind of power to seize everything? Oh, come on. Come on. Even I agree, by the way, with the big Syrian thing, pull them out. What do you mean? You just one, one night you wake up and you say, I'm pulling everybody out. I mean, it's, even though I like it, it benefits my point of view. It's not right. I mean, four guys in Washington. You know what? We're going to go to trade war. Who voted for trade war? I didn't vote for trade war. You vote for trade war? I didn't meet her. These four guys get elected. That's it. We're in a trade war. How much better off will we be without this nonsense? I, I don't get our tolerance for it. And that's the most disheartening thing. Because I had, this is our family. Talk radio is our family. This is what it's supposed to be about. Can't you see when you're being belled around? Just follow me. Listen, here are the words that drive me nuts. Believe. Trust. Faith. Maybe in a spouse. Maybe. And even then be suspicious. In a politician without his third wife and never paid a subcontractor. By American, everything in your building ain't American. That's okay, now it will be. Yeah, because you want to take away everyone's choice. Recognize that. And I'll tell you another character problem I have with the country in general. And this goes for you people out there too. If you have the money to pay a promissory note and you choose to not to, you are a scumbag. And you destroy the economy for everybody. Imagine what we'd be like if we had fundamentals and principles of ourselves. What do you mean you sleep good at night, okay with socialism because they call it social security? You don't deserve that. It's a hidden tax. We've been dumbed down and numbed down to where we can't divide the socialism. We just pretend we hate it the whole time asking for it. The problem with our politics isn't that politicians are scumbags. Ta-da, they've always been. The problem is that society has become one. We've allowed it to happen. Because we just want our piece of the pie. That's how good people turn out to be bad gangsters. They just want their piece of pie. And it, it, you better set a precedent to reject it at some point. Other than saying Republican team, that corruption and skullduggery is okay. Democrats, not so much. I'm Sean Thompson. We'll be back after this. 312 642 I got to tell you, I enjoy sometimes the bitterness because I'm, I'm thinking about yesterday's show. <clears throat> I specifically said for an hour how I love the movement series. Specifically said it. I've actually said how I love what Trump is doing as far as exposing all of the shenanigans that go on. But I commented that I didn't like the economics. And we got three phone calls. People are livid. Hate me. Because this is the reality of maybe this is the point we're at where people just want echo chambers. They don't want to discuss the point. See, I think it should be the opposite. I think you should discuss the principles of things. I think the only way you, you, you change the trajectory and make government small again and free the people from out from under it and make the government the servant instead of the master is by having a principle and a discussion you stick with because what we're really doing is re-arguing the Enlightenment. What we have become are collectivists. This is a very important theory. A collectivist just wants to have a few people control everything. I, I say at nauseum, Fabian socialists, and they make fun of me, right? I got I to throw a dollar in a jar. And I'll say Keynesianism. 
We showed yesterday how the entire monetary system, the Bretton Woods Agreement, we had the guy call and say King Dollar, that was orchestrated by John Maynard Keynes. There's a reason that they wanted that. There's a reason they want the central bank mindlessly issuing money and then blaming China for currency manipulation. We are the biggest currency manipulators. We are. Now, we could fix all this, but only if the people stand up to the fraud. Only if the people refuse to be lemmings, suckers, pigeons, cattle. Now, maybe that's not going to happen. Maybe, um, what, did, uh, what did Misty call me? Pollyanna? I believe that was the word. Maybe she's right. Maybe it's a naivete to think that America is about freedom, is about individuality. And I've got a caller. And by the way, let me tell you something. Holly from Hudson, everybody knows I love her. I love her. The callers that even disagree with me. I'm not mad at you. I don't understand it. I don't understand it. There's a, a gentleman on the line who I'm, I, I know I'm going to like. I think he's called before. But I want you to. Ju- I just want him to say his point, and I want to just say mine. So, Mike, thanks for calling the show. Go ahead, buddy. Tell me what you want. Hey, Sean. How are you? A couple of quick points. Um, I think we could get corruption down at absolute bare minimum if we, if we did one essential thing. You think about it. Why would wealthy individuals give politicians huge sums of money? It's not because their ideology. It's because politicians are in positions to do grant favors. Quid pro quo. The way to fix this problem is to take, take, take away their ability to grant favors. Pass a law that says no law, regulation, tariff, edict, presidential order shall apply unless it applies equally to everyone. But here's the thing, Mike. We already have all that. You know, I, when, I, when I read the screen, it says we need to pass a law that shows how these people make all their money. And you know what's funny? I'm well, thinking, that's how they're doing it. Yeah, but I'm thinking they about... They pass laws, but there's always, always uh, exemptions in the laws. Mike... It's either, it's either applies to everybody or it's not a law. And I, I agree with you. Second, I, thing is, uh, second thing is, Trump ought to call a, a joint session of Congress... Two overhead projectors. On one projector is a constitution. The other projector is a list of all the federal agencies. Compare the mission of each agency to what's in the constitution, what the government's authorized to do. You get rid of ninety percent. To do that function, eliminate that, eliminate that agency. Period. I, I, listen, I like all that. I like all that, and I I want to reestablish that. But do you notice what's happening? What's actually happening is that these government agencies are growing power as we speak. Now, he's done some very good things, and I like that he has actually eliminated some of the employment of the government. He has, but the power structure stays the same. You know what my biggest beef was with the EPA? Not their mission statement, not not the abuse that it's become. You realize that that agency was created by an executive order? Can you look at, you've created, Nixon created the EPA with his pen. And look at the power it has over every single thing where it's crippled industries. Now, what did Congress... What does the EPA need with their own SWAT team? Well, how did about, you know that? Yeah, of course. How about how they get what the... What do they do with armed guards? How about how they keep 50% of the penalties that they put on companies? They keep it for their budget. So you've now incentivized this agency against the very people it's supposed to protect. Why You would incentivize them to penalize, and they don't fix anything. That's why in, in Lake Michigan, you've got the, what's that company that dumps the, the stuff in Lake Michigan? They just keep paying the fine. Is it Amico? The refinery. They just keep paying the fine. They're not really interested in stopping it. You just pay to do it, like a license to, to pollute. So, Mike, I agree with you. Thanks for the call. I truly appreciate it. And the restraint of what Mike said in the Constitution is supposed to be on government. What do you mean you use it against me? 
Don't use that against me. That ain't for me. That's for you. That's restraining government, not restraining me. This is how things get flipped. And you know how it does? It happens because we release ourselves to personalities. I like Donald Trump. I liked him long before most of you did. I really did. And I like a lot of his character. I like even some of the tweets that where people freak out. I like him. But I don't like where he's wrong, and that's the economy. The problem is where he's right, he's too small of a fry. And you see it right now. He's not going to beat the military-industrial complex. He doesn't stand a chance. But that doesn't mean I don't support him when he does. Unlike the Republicans who say they love him. I'm, 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 I'm perplexed at the average individual, the citizen, who has lived on this, in this country 50 years, 45 years, 35 years, whatever the case may be. And I thought the big deal was the money and the debt and the malfeasance and the misuse of the government power structure. I thought that was the issue. Apparently I was wrong. We got time? I take them? Because I know we're running against the clock. I, I used to say we didn't have enough callers. Now we got too many. Chris, how are you? Hey, Sean. Yes. Hi. Hey, my, my point is I think in this country we've gone beyond, um, you know, it's not a, a me too movement anymore. It's a me first movement. And if you don't take your piece of the pie, you get shamed for not doing that. You're, if you're shamed if you're not a gangster, you know, just stealing where you can. That's and, interesting. You know, people who are honest are shamed. You know what, Chris? It's interesting, and that's the character of the nation. And I think it happened after the implosion where we told the society, you know what, you have the right to abandon your promise, and everybody's doing it. And, yeah, the big banks get paid off, and that's okay, or that, but don't worry, you should get paid off too. And, really, it's the character of the citizen. I think Chris is right. I think that's the point. I'm Sean Thompson. We'll be back after this. 312-642-5600. We got 13 months, baby. Now's the time to get stuff changed, in my opinion. I mean, I know it must be popular just to just wave the flag. I can't do it. Can't do it. Try. I could point out all the good things. I say all the time, repeatedly, you got to vote for them. There is no mistake about it. We cannot afford the Marxists pretending to be Democrats to win anything. That's why I'm hoping all of this shakes out well. I would love it if the Republicans beat the Democrats in the House because I'm well aware of the fact that's the closest body politic to the people. That's the most important part of government is supposed to be anyway. And I'd like them to, to, to grab the power back that they're supposed to have rather than secede it to a king. That's all. And if you do are in this position, I think it's important we understand what's acceptable to us and what isn't. This is an interesting call. Bart, thank you for calling the show. How are you, buddy? I'm good. Hey, you're killing it, Daddy O. Oh, thank you. Thank Digging you. it deeply. Thank you. Thank you. Hey, you know, one thing about this that, I mean, Trump wasn't my favorite or anything like that. It was a binary choice. But this whole mentality where we're using the president for a father figure. And I'm a musician. Most of my friends are liberal snowflake knuckleheads. And they're mm-hmm. like, he doesn't seem like a nice man. A nice man doesn't want that job. Yeah. He doesn't seem like a good guy. I'm I won't do what's necessary to get that job. Harry Truman was the last guy you'd want to have a beer with. We got to stop thinking. We're in Illinois. We know what scumbags they are. We get we get it slapped in the face every day 
How we got to stop pretending these are our betters and demand more of them. And you know what I wanted to, Bart? I knew that he could pull off putting back the powers the way they were supposed to be because he had so much popularity and he had this kind of devoted followers. He could actually put back the restraints on government if he chose to do it. And that's I well, and here's, here's the, the thing, thing about, I thought he was lying with that national populism. I thought he was too smart. I thought he <laughs> I really did. I didn't think he actually bought protectionism. I thought he was just doing the the uh, the uh, who was the guy with the big ears that was going to run in the 90s. Uh what's his name? Not, uh, uh, Perot. Perot, Ross Perot. Perot. I Ross thought he was Perot. doing the Ross Perot where he knew that that wasn't the really case, the real case, but he was going to get everybody together because that's what the union members like. See, it's funny. He's appealing. You know, if you look at Bernie Sanders and Donald Trump's trade policy and and Warren, they're a mirror images of each other. And he he knew that's how he got elected. You know, a vote for Trump was a vote against the Democrats, a vote against the Republicans, and a vote against the media. That's how much people hate those three entities. It wasn't necessarily a vote for anything. So, so I'm going to ask you this. We're going to turn this into an interview. If it looks, if, if this pans out to, to be where it looks as if Rudy Giuliani was working on the side to secure an oil deal, do you think that the people will be disgusted? The people who now are will not hear any criticism of Trump. I had three people when I talked about him. I had three people call up screaming at Misty. Do you think that those hardcore Trump people, if that were the case, and we're being hypothetical, but what the hell, it's a Tuesday. If that were the case, do you think that would change some some views? No, not the hardcore people and not the hardcore leftists either, but it's going to be one on the periphery. If that turns out to be true, then the you know the the undecideds who sway every election are going to go he's he's toast yeah. on the other hand if it turns out to be under a witch hunt then he's in by a lot see so, so i'm we'll hoping I, and i'm i'm dead serious when i say openly i want him to, i need him to win in 2020 we cannot afford yeah. Yeah. another barack obama on steroids which is who he's running against. elizabeth warren Oh. You want to see her? She's insane. Oh, she's, how about a, she's just a habitual liar. Nothing the girl says is the truth. Yeah. All right, Bart, listen. Well, I hope she's lying about that socialism. I appreciate <laughs> Yeah, really. That's our only hope. In fact, that's the point. We are now at a point in politics where we got to hope they're lying. You don't really mean it, do you? I mean, it's insane to me. And moreover, I'm worried that that's true. That in the event Rudy Giuliani was pulling a Hunter Biden... It'll just shore up. But here's the alternative. I hope he wasn't. Rudy, you better not have been pulling a Hunter Biden. Because if you screw this up and we wake up in 20 years and we're the USSR, I'm going to be very unhappy. Although I could pull off socialism better than the kid in there. Listen, I want to appreciate uh, We're going to be back after this. I have a guest I'm very excited about. And I'm doing the morning show on Friday. I'm not here tomorrow. And uh, I won't be here for the rest of the week. But on Friday, I'll be with Amy Jacobson in the morning. I'm looking forward to that. And then the people who call up screaming at Misty, you could take a day off, too. It'll be good for everybody. All right? In the meantime, we'll be back after this. I'm always, always excited to get a good guest on especially one like Guy Taylor, national security team leader at the Washington Times, overseeing the paper's State Department, Pentagon, intelligence coverage. 
This is the kind of guy you want your daughter to meet. Uh, he has reported from dozens of countries, been a guest on BBC, CNN, NPR, Fox, C-SPAN, the McLaughlin Group, and the highlight of his career, Chicago Slap and Tickle Drive Time with Sean Thompson. I want to thank you so much, Guy, for being on the program. How are you? Hey Sean, thanks for having me. Thank you. So listen, I got to I I need I I need you to help me because this is the one area of Trumpism that I like the foreign policy. I do. I liked when he would attack our foreign policy's positions and the endless wars and the nonsense and what exactly is the plan. I understand there's a problem with this because it's so fast and whatever, but I want your opinion on this whole thing and what is it doing to our intelligence community? Yeah, I mean, so we're talking about uh, the decision on Syria and this announcement that was kind of a repeat of eight months ago when President Trump tried to say, I want to pull U.S. forces back from from northern Syria, not get entangled in another quagmire there. But look, you know, one of the reasons President Trump is facing such pushback on this right now. It has to do with this sense, really, in the more elite corners of the U.S. military, particularly the special forces community, that the U.S. mission or deployment in Syria over the past three or four years has been such a success, a success after more than a decade of struggle and controversy that was really the U.S. occupation of Iraq well over 100,000 troops, et cetera. This counter-ISIS campaign has been very small. It's been very focused, special operations-run campaign that successfully trained a local force, the Kurds, put them on the front lines against Islamic State. And this matters because the way President Trump has been describing the situation in public last night, particularly in remarks to military officials, was is to portray it like it's this long open-ended, unwieldy depo- deployment of U.S. troops, when in reality it's it's sort of been the opposite of that. So I think something to watch here is the extent to which U.S. military special operators might be speaking out in frustration about this a bit, perhaps emboldened by others, particularly from within President Trump's party, who've really broken with Trump over the past day or two, most notably is Senate Majority Leader McConnell, but also others out on the periphery on the conservative side, such as Pat Robertson, who came out last night, I think, and was sort of uncharacteristically criticizing the president on his Syria policy. Which I love the idea that, number one, he said he can't get into heaven anymore, and I'm a religious guy, and we should kill those people over there. I just, my head almost blew up. So I like that kind of stuff. It's that obvious I have to laugh. But I agree um with the premise of what he said, but the reality is he should be doing this to the troops in Afghanistan and Iraq versus Syria. Yeah, I think you got a bullseye there. I mean, that's, that? that's the frustration. He's looking for a foreign policy win right now, and he didn't get one with the negotiations with the Taliban that have fallen apart, although there's still back-channel communications with uh, Ambassador Khalilzad and the Taliban right now that aren't really being reported. But that was a major loss. He's facing the impeachment hysteria, and he's he's groping for a foreign policy success. So I think that's really what what this announcement was about was to try and shake it up and see if he could 
he could kind of hit that drum. And you know what I noticed, Guy? It was only, what, a week ago? He said we should pull him out of Afghanistan, and he just dropped Afghanistan and went for Syria. Because he's, in other words, he's looking for a win where he can do the least amount of damage by achieving what he said he was going to do when he ran to people like me who didn't like much about his agenda, but did respect mm-hmm. that aspect of it. You think this is just a... Here, look I at do. Me. Yeah, I mean, I do. I, I also think, Sean, that, you know, this is what I wrote about in the Washington Times last night, and we followed it again today, is that there's this kind of behind-the-scenes part of what's been going on in northeastern Syria for the past few months that has to do with what will become of several thousand captured Islamic State militants who are currently held in a uh, network of prison camps that are run by these Kurdish forces on the ground there. These Kurdish forces have had some U.S. funding as well as U.S. special operations support in maintaining these facilities. But the big question now is, you know, what what will come of these, these prison camps? If Turkish forces move into Syria and go after the Kurdish forces, which Turkey views as terrorists just the same as the Islamic State, those Kurdish forces are going to be overburdened. The prison network is going to collapse. And that means these captured ISIS fighters will either dissolve back into the population or they'll regroup and begin fighting for territory again. This is, oh. this is a piece of this thing that isn't solved. Look, uh, probably 800 of these fighters in these prison camps are uh, European Union citizens. Oh, great. Uh, well, guys, of European Union passwords. Sure. Good thing I got my concealed carry, but you just scared the hell out of everybody in Chicago. Listen, I'm just, I am just—I want to thank you so much for joining me. I am sorry. It's a hard break. I would love to have you back next time I'm doing the show. Would you do that? Anytime. Absolutely, man. Guy, I can't thank, thank you, you so enough. Much. Thank you. Yep. I appreciate you listening. Okay. Um, I will be Monday, Friday morning. There is going to be many of good hosts that are coming up the next week. Different styles, different tastes. I uh, hope I didn't break anything like I promised the big guys I wouldn't do. I had fun. Thank you. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.